Well, happy Valentine's Day. I don't know what that truly means, except for if you have a significant other in your life, hopefully you did something significant for them. And I always tell my wife, it's like, honey, you get to be married to me every day is Valentine's Day. You can laugh about that because it's really not true. <laughs> but, uh, but we do want to know, we want to make sure today, if you are uh, if you are a widow or a single lady, all the single ladies, you know, if you are here today, I don't want to miss you. I don't want to embarrass you right now in, in front of everyone, but I don't want to miss you. I want to make sure that before you leave today, we give you a rose to let you know that you are loved with an everlasting love that comes from the Father above. And so we want to make sure that you have that. So hopefully you can catch up with me after the service and we'll be glad to do that. Also today is something significant about this day. Today is the day that my son Powell says goodbye to his teenage years and becomes 20 years old. Today is Powell's birthday today. Powell, raise your hand. There you go. <laughs> so you can celebrate that with him. And uh, so what an exciting time. So we're going to pray. We're going to start out. I'm going to start praying this morning. And if you were here last week, we had the prayer books available for Seeking God for the City, the 40 days to pray and to fast. And I don't know how that's going for you, but the, the, the few things that I chose to fast from, it is a, it is a strong temptation to want to just go right to those things. And to, for me, it's something that I consume, and it's just, it's hard. So it's a battle to say no to something and say yes to the Lord. And so hopefully if you're going through that, don't give up. If you fail, get back up again, keep moving. Don't go backwards, just keep moving forward. And so we passed out those books last week. You do have a few books left on the table out in the foyer if you, called Seek God for the City. If you wanted to jo join in to that prayer movement, there's just a prayer guide each, each day. So this is the actual the prayer uh, that comes from the book for today, which is day five. And so let's pray this together. Now, Father, we come to you today. And we ask you to restore your people to fruitfulness. We are like a hand-planted garden in your sight. Like a vineyard keeper watches over his vineyard, you constantly examine us. You intend for us to bloom with your beauty and multiply your life in others. We are alive, but often fruitless. Come near to us. Extend your hand, the very hand that formed us, in order to restore us. Stretch us and strengthen us to grow in your glory. May the power of Christ's life course through us to bring forth all that pleases you. Also, we take this time to pray for students, workers, and business people from other lands to be treated with honor and respect, that they will enjoy new friendships, that they will encounter the message of the gospel clearly declared and lovingly demonstrated. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, so in your bulletin there should be an insert. Everybody hold up your insert, okay? Now, do you have a pen to fill out this insert? If not, if not, Jacob will give you his. All right, now, if you don't have one, we do have some available. So if you really, really want one, can we make sure we get one to someone? Raise your hand if you really need a pen. Anyone? Or just maybe ask around you. No? All right. So here we're going to go. We're going to fill in this insert. This is the first part of what, this message today. Now, remember, we're doing a survey, kind of an an overlook of the first four books of the New Testament of the Bible, the four, uh, first four books called the Gospels, the good news of Jesus, the story of Jesus. And today we're going to look at the book of Mark. And so I want you to know that I get 
this, uh, this, this outline information. There's a guy named David Platt, who's an incredible teacher. He writes, um, has all kinds of resources on a webpage called Radical. I think it's radical.net, I believe. And on that, you have all these free resources. And so I, I love his teaching. I love the, the, the way that he presents this truth. And this is an outline that he presents on some of his teaching. And so this is the book of Mark. And then we'll go into the book of Mark and we'll look at it a little bit more as we go. So this is the gospel according to Mark, written by a guy named John Mark, who was close to one of the disciples. His name is Peter. Written between 65 and 70 uh, A.D. So 65 so years after Jesus was born. And this sense of... Um, Right before the temple was destroyed, actually, is when this, when this took place. And so Peter is writing to, or not Peter, but Mark is writing to Gentile Christians in the city of Rome who were there suffering persecution because of their faith in Jesus. So think about this. We've got we to find ourselves in the same place as the, as the readers of the day, okay? New Christians, brand new followers of Jesus. They had, some had even witnessed the crucifixion and the resurrection. They had heard the stories and now, now they are beginning to get some pressure because of their faith in Jesus because in this particular time that they lived, you had the Roman government who was kind of oppressing the people. Then you had the people who were still holding on to Judaism and these Gentile Christians were feeling the heat. And so Mark writes to them to encourage them not to give up, not to waver in their faith. And so isn't that really important because we need that same kind of encouragement in the world that we live in today. Like not to give in, not to waver in our faith, to stand firm to what it is that we believe with all the other distractions going on around us. So he's writing this, this book to these suffering, uh, so those suffering persecution to encourage them. The primary theme is Jesus is the suffering servant, okay? All right, so that's the second blank. Suffering servant. This, so in this, he talks about the, um, the servant's ministry in Galilee, in the first nine chapters. The servant's, the servant's journey to Jerusalem, emphasized in chapter 10. The servant's last week of ministry which is in 11 through 15, and then at the end, the servant's victory. Practical advice for study, keep up, because Mark is on the move. You notice in the book, beginning of Mark, there's no birth story. We don't have time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. So we've got ministry to do. We've got things to accomplish. So keep up. Mark shows Jesus constantly on the move 41 different times. He says, and immediately. Jesus was on the move. He was teaching. He was re he's healing. He was going about doing ministry. Notice that almost half of his gospel is devoted to the events in the last week of Jesus' life. Almost half the whole gospel is about that last week in Jesus' life. Note the synoptic gospels, all right? Now, if you want to know how to spell that, I, I, I didn't know either until I looked it up. S-Y-N- O-P-T-I-C, which I'll explain what that means. 
So here's something that's a certainty. Matthew, Mark, and Luke see the life and the ministry of Christ in a very similar way. So synoptic, they're seeing it the same. They're, they're seeing the story of Jesus, even though they're getting it from a different perspective, a different viewpoint, they see it the same, and they write very similarly. The confusion is, is did Matthew and Luke get their information from Mark, or was it the other way around? Because there are 90% of Jesus' or Mark's words, I'm sorry, are in the book of Matthew. So 97% of what Mark writes are in the book of Matthew. 600 out of like 660 verses that are written are included in the book of Matthew. So a lot of similarities, but a different perspective, a different audience that he's writing to. 88% of Mark's words are in the book of Luke. So the conclusion is Matthew, Mark, and Luke did not write their Gospels in isolation from one another. So they were, think about it, they were sitting together, you know, at different times in different places in a room like, man, do you remember the time? Remember, G remember when, we, when the disciples were with Jesus and these people were hungry and it's like 5,000 men plus all the women and children and like Jesus pulls out of his sleeve like enough food to feed everybody and have all these food left over? Remember that time? And so Mark, you can think about Mark. It's like how, how would the Gentile Christians need to hear this story? How can I encourage them and, and, and you know, to kind of like spur them on? How can I write to them this message? And Matthew he was writing to a primary uh, Jewish crowd. The people were still struggling with whether they follow Judaism or follow Jesus. And he writes them a little bit different. But the message, the message is the same. And so that's the, that's the outline for that. So we're going to jump in to the sermon piece here. And we're going to look at these four areas. The servant's ministry, the servant's journey to Jerusalem, the servant's last week of ministry, and the servant's victory. And we'll do that by looking at the book of Mark. So open up your Bible, if you have one. David Platt always says when he's teaching, because if you have a Bible, and I hope that you do, just open up then to the book of Mark. Now, if you need a Bible, we have extra Bibles on the table outside. Please feel free to, to take one and keep it if you need one. So let's first look at Mark chapter give you an opportunity to turn there Mark chapter 4 and while you're turning there I want to tell you this funny story and this is I'll use this as an illustration of hopefully some truth that will be revealed through the scripture so in my bathroom shower the water pressure was really just poor. It was terrible. My wife complained about it. I complained about it. My kids complained about it. It just, for some reason, the water would just kind of like barely come out. And it's like, it even took me a while to get my hair wet. Can you imagine that? It was bad water pressure. Just want you to get this picture. Weak. <laughs> needed some strength. Needed something. And so, so I've noticed this for a long time. Now, guys, are there any guys in the room that there's some stuff around your house that needs to be fixed and you just keep putting it off. Can I get, a, can I get an amen on that? Some men, women are like, yeah, he's talking about you. <laughs> now the guys are getting elbowed in the side. Now they got a project to do when they get home. For Valentine's Day, go fix your faucet or whatever it is. And so I don't know 
why is it that we just allow it to keep going on and we don't do anything about it? Because I'm thinking to myself, oh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm probably going to like take it off. Water's going to sp sp spraying everywhere. And, you know, and do I have to turn the water off to do that? You know, because I'm not like super genius when it comes to house stuff. My wife will tell you that's the truth. She's not in here, so she, you know, she, she'll get the message later on the podcast. But, or I think, it's probably going to, I'll probably take it off and it'll be broken. I'll have to get a new one. So it's going to cost us money, and then the shower's not going to work. But, you know, hey, I'm like cool with the water just coming straight out of the spout. I mean, that's good enough for me. You know, not so much for my wife, but it's good enough for me. Well, then finally one day I said, I'm going to do it. So I went in, and my father-in-law, after he passed away, I went through all of his stuff, and I found some sweet tools. So I found this wrench, just a simple little crescent wrench. And I went in, and I took it off, and I got to looking. And in the very back part of this shower head, the guy who installed it failed to take out this little plastic piece that was placed in there as a guard for shipping, and it should have never been in there in the first place. And this little plastic piece had just enough space to allow water through, but it had gotten clogged with some grains of sand and stuff that had come through the water, and it was almost completely plugged up. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder if this thing's even supposed to be in there. So I take it out. Then I'm contemplating, should I put it back in? No, I'm just going to go ahead and try this. Put it back on. Man, the water shoots through the back of the wall now in the shower. It is like a miracle. It's like God's just love and mercy flowing from the shower. Like it's a reunion. My, there's a revival going on in my home. My wife is so excited. Can't wait to get in the shower. It's crazy. So, th so I want you to think about that. For one, there's a lot of spiritual um, illustrations that you can come up with. I, at least, anyway, I think about, like, um, from the beginning, it wasn't right. <laughs> like, this guy didn't install it correctly. He should have took that piece out. Now I'm wondering about the hall shower. So I'll, eventually, I'll tap into that in about six months <laughs> when I have some spare time. <laughs> so let's look at Mark chapter 4. Okay, so I want you to understand the servant's ministry. Jesus He's doing ministry. He's preaching. He's teaching. He's touching lives. And people are touching him and they're experiencing healing. And, um, and in this particular passage, Mark chapter 4, it says, And again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat, sat it out into the lake, and while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, he taught them many things by parables. And in this teaching, this is what he said. Listen, I love this. Ladies and gentlemen, listen. Tune your ear. Block out all the distractions that are going on in life right now. They'll still be there when we get done. So listen. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much room, um, had much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and, the withered, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants, so they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. So then Jesus said, he who has ears, has an ear, um, or has ears to hear, let him hear. Let him listen. 
When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about this parable. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that, it says, they may be ever seeing and never perceiving and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the seed, which is, or sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even a hundred times what was sown. I have been every one of these soils at some point in my life. There are times where, when I was 17 years old, I heard God's word. I heard the message. I knew that Jesus was real. I knew, like Blake, that Jesus is Lord. God raised him from the dead. And I know I needed to follow him. And as soon as I accepted it and went forward to ask Christ to forgive me and and, and uh, to walk with him, start walking with him, that's when the greatest temptation in my life came. And I was, and it was taken away. And I, and I wasn't growing. I wasn't fruitful at all. Matter of fact, I was growing in a completely different direction. There have been other times where I've heard something and I knew it was something I needed to obey and something I needed to work out in my life and I accepted it right away and said, yes, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow and I'm going to, I'm going to, it's like trying to eat right, you know, like I'm going to, I'm not going to eat that anymore. I'm going to be good. And about two days in, you're like, oh, I don't know. Okay, I do have a confession, by the way. Someone gave us a cinnamon roll at a wedding the other night. It was calling my name yesterday. I ate the center of it, all right? Not the rest. Just want you to know just the center of it. It was really good, by the way. Um, but there are times where I'm so excited about living this faith and being excited for Jesus, and I'm going to do the right, I'm going to get back in church, you know, start attending on a regular basis, I'm going to be faithful. And it lasts only for a short period of time. And then it says things like the um, worries of this world and deceitfulness of riches, and, and there's other things that get in the way. And it keeps me from fully following. You know what? It keeps me from fully receiving the all God has for me. But the good news is there's been other times where I've been good soil. I think it was until I was really, really ready to receive 30, 60, 100 times what God had for me. So he began to reveal this purpose and a plan for a church. Now please don't think that Brady's got it all figured out. He's walking in perfection now and I'll never fail again. Don't believe that lie. Pray for me. Pray that I won't fail. Pray that I'll continue to be fruitful. 
But my encouragement to you this morning is kind of like that, that, um, that little piece of plastic. This little piece of plastic in my faucet was about the size of a nickel. And it was keeping it from functioning fully the way it was designed to function and to produce the way it was designed to produce. And so this, my encouragement to you this morning as we are encouraged by Jesus' teaching, the, this servant who's going about his ministry, is there something in your life getting in the way of you fully receiving all that God has designed for you to, to live all the ways that God has designed for you to live? Now, I want you to be honest about that. I don't, some of you, I know your story better than others. But God knows your heart, and he knows what it is that you're going through. All the way from the oldest person in the room to the youngest person in the room, we can ask that question. God, is there anything keeping me from fully just being this, this good soil? Because that's his desire for you. Do you know that? As he's speaking and planting that, his seed right now in your heart, he wants you to be good soil so that you can produce good things. So that others can see the the goodness in you and think, man, where does that come from? Well, it comes from the Father. It comes from the one who planted the seed in me. And so church gives us an opportunity to have that moment once a week to say, okay, Lord, what is it that's getting in the way? And maybe the Lord right now needs to reach in and take that little plastic piece out so that he can flow freely through you. Let's look at the servant's journey to Jerusalem, all right? So all the way to chapter 10. So turn over in your Bible to chapter 10. So it's just a brief moment of time before Jesus gets ready to enter into Jerusalem, the last week of his, his life, his ministry. And man, when you get to chapter 11, he packs in a lot in between the time he enters Jerusalem until the time he's, he... Uh, is crucified. But look at Romans or uh, Mark chapter 10. And I love, there's a couple things I want to point out in this particular chapter. For one, I love this picture of, of the people bringing little children to Jesus. Chapter 10, verse 13, the people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. I love this, this picture of the, 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 the love language of physical touch. They just wanted Jesus to, to touch their children. But the disciples rebuked them, thinking maybe Jesus is too important to waste his time on little children. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. All right, so is that saying that the kingdom of God only belongs to children? No, it's saying that it does, but it belongs to those who receive the king like a child. Because he goes on and says, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms and put his hands on them and he blessed them. So he gives, gives us an idea or a design for how it is we're supposed to receive this, this kingdom by faith like little children, like a little child, like someone who's as young as Blake's age who trusted me to put him down in the water and pull him back up again. That's trust. 
to come to Jesus like the little children that come to my wife's, or to my house too, but my wife watches them. And these little children, these two little boys especially, the first thing that they do when they see me in the morning, when I get up and I come downstairs, their eyes light up, and the first thing they do is this. Pick me up. And Jesus is saying it doesn't have to be this difficult, people. The kingdom is like this. It's like little children coming to their father, putting their arms up in the air, and say, will you pick me up? Will you hold me? Will you bless me? And I love the sounds of little children. <laughs> and I know the parents sometimes like, oh, shh, be quiet. You're gonna, you're gonna, people are trying to pay attention. Let the little children come. And Jesus said, this is what the kingdom is like. Then he goes on to say, the kingdom is, is not just being a good enough person. Because the rich young ruler comes to him and says, what must I do to have eternal life? And says, Jesus says, well, keep the command. Well, yeah, I've done all those things. And he said, now, leave everything that you think is more valuable than me and come follow me. Like, I don't think I can do that. So he gives us an indication of what the kingdom is like, what he's requiring of us. But then, Jesus later on in chapter 10, verse 29, Peter says, we've left everything to follow you. Or in verse 28. And then 29, it says, I tell you the truth, Jesus replied. I love it. Here's again, Jesus is always telling people the truth. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, and with them, I love this part. We like to skip this part. When with them, persecution. Oh, dude, I was good with all the other stuff. I was good with all the things that I'm going to get for my faith and following Jesus. Yeah, it's worth it all. Wait, I'm gonna, there's going to be persecution too? He says, in the age to come, eternal life, but many who are first will be last and the last will be first. Another indication that it's, it's in this kingdom, it's worth it to follow him. And there's nothing that you can give up that he's not going to replace with something better. It's just true. And as you grow in your faith, I, I encourage you to practice this. And see if it's not so. See the blessing. Experience the blessing. There's nothing that he would ask me to give up that he wouldn't replace with something better. It's just true. This is his word. And then... Mark 10, 32, where it says they were on their way up to Jerusalem. Jesus was headed to Jerusalem on purpose. With Jesus leading the, leading the way, and the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the twelve aside, and he told them what was going to happen. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death. And, he, and then we'll be, he'll hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Let's look at the servant's last week of ministry. Mark 11 through 15. We're not going to be able to get through all of it, obviously. But I want you to see the contrast between the, the time Jesus comes into Jerusalem 
in the end. Look at Mark 11. Let's say, um, let's look at verse uh, 4. His disciples went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing in tying the colt? They answered, as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. While they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and while others spread branches that they had cut in the fields, and those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, which means save, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered Jerusalem, went to the temple. He looked around, but it was late, so he went out to Bethany. So you have to get this picture. Jesus comes in to Jerusalem, and he's riding on this donkey. Like, finally, our king has come. But wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why is our king on a donkey? Isn't he supposed to be on like a stallion? Shouldn't he have like an army and some swords and like some uh, tanks following him? Like, shouldn't this be something a little bit more impressive than Jesus riding in on a donkey? But remember, Jesus is a different kind of king. He's a different kind of king. He's not the king that they're expecting. And he rides in in peace. And they're shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Man, we're so excited. This is going to be awesome. Just contrast this with Mark chapter 15. Mark 15, verse 16. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and sat it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail the King of the Jews! Remember, Jesus told them they were going to mock him, spit on him. He warned them. He said it was coming. Again and again they struck him on the head with the staff and spit on him. Falling on their, on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him and took off the purple robe and put, on his, clo- put his clothes on him, they led him out. Not in great victorious splendor. They let him out to crucify him. And we would, some would think if they didn't know the rest of the story, that the king, he didn't win. <laughs> Game over. But you look in Mark 16, and you see the servant's victory. Easter's coming. But we don't have to wait till Easter celebrate the victory of the servant, the suffering servant, Jesus, the one who came to take our place. Jesus, the one who came to remove any obstacle. It is in your life that is getting in the way of you fully receiving all that he has for you. I mean, obviously, the greatest thing that Jesus removed is the power of sin and death over mankind. I, want, I, I really want you to wrap your mind around this. If this is not for you, 
It might be for someone else that you know. I want you to think about people are born into this world under a curse. Curse of man came through the first Adam. His name is Adam. (laughs) And the curse of sin and death came through this one man because of his disobedience. So in the original um, manufacturing of human beings, (laughs) since the fall in the Garden of Eden, there's this obstacle in the way of man fully receiving all that God has for them. So like this shower head, if you will, the way it was manufactured and placed in a box and it came out the way, the way that it did, that obstacle was placed there for a purpose or it was there for a reason and, and it didn't get removed. Therefore, it never fully functioned the way it was supposed to function. At some point in your life, you have been in a place to receive this word sown into you. And it might be right now. You're receiving this word that's being sown into you. And I encourage you, if that obstacle is still there, if there's something there that's keeping you from fully receiving and growing 30, 60, 100 times the way God wants to bless you, I encourage you, don't wait like I waited. Get out the wrench right now. Remove it. Take it out. Throw it away. Does that make sense? Are you, are you following me? you get where I'm going with this? Now, it might be that you say, I've already done that, Brady. I've already I've given my heart to Jesus. I've, been, you know, I've already made that decision. I prayed a long time ago. I got, I got baptized like Blake did. But are you fully operating? Are you functioning the way God has intended you to function? Are there other things getting in the way of that? churchy word would be, it could be sin. Unconfessed, undealt with sin. I know that's not a popular topic to really discuss, but we are in church. It doesn't matter whether we're in church or not. It's something we need to deal with. Men, I'm always, I'm always on you guys because I am one and I know the struggles that I have. Men, do you have a few other guys that you can go to and just be like, Dude, here's, the, here's that jacked up piece of plastic in my life. <laughs> Could you help me remove it? Women, you're better at this than we are. But do you have someone that you can go to? Just be honest with. Say, hey, I'm struggling in this particular area. I, don't really, I feel like this is an obstacle in the way God's not really able to move fully and freely through me. To be all that he's, he's created me to be. Young people. Young people. Spend so much time engaged in social media and just life. We're missing. We're missing the purpose and the plan and the desire God has for you. Did you hear what he said? You will receive a hundred times more than anything you could ever possibly give up. That's the kingdom. And like a good father... He's waiting. All I have to do is this. Put your hands up. And he'll receive you unto himself. He's faithful, it says, to forgive you and cleanse you and to 
from all that unrighteousness so that the water can flow. <laughs> Power. It's the thing he desires for us. As the worship team comes, let's pray. So maybe the practical application for you today is to take out the shower head and remove whatever it is that's in there. And maybe it's meaningful for you to pray with someone else today. Don't let silly fears keep you from doing that like I let fear from keep me from <laughs> doing what I needed to do. I mean, it's real. I get it. I get it. We're in a public place and what will people think? You know what? It really doesn't matter what people think ultimately. And so I would be more than willing to pray with you. There's other people in our church. Maybe you came with someone today that will pray with you. Like, that's a, that's a beautiful thing about coming with someone else. Like, grab their hand and pray. Ask God to ask God to make you good oil today. What is it going to take for you to be good soil, to produce good things? Things that come from the Father above. So, Father, would you come? Would you produce good things in us today? Would you remove the things that need to be removed? Bitterness and anger, unforgiveness, whatever it is. Would you just reveal those things to us? And would we be obedient, be faithful to, to do what we need to do so that we can receive all that you have for us? You can move through us so that we can then be a blessing to others around us. We just ask that in Jesus' name.